Hi, everybody. Welcome to Let's Humanize the Workplace. My name is Vivian Aqua. I call myself the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. If you haven't seen the previous episodes of Let's Humanize the Workplace, look it up on LinkedIn or look it up on, on the hashtag Humanize the Workplace. But today I'm going to do something different, right? I'm already in a different flow and a different mind. And my guest speakers, can you believe that they were laughing? They were laughing because of the fact that I'm just trembling here. So let me introduce, let me properly introduce my guest speakers for today. So I have Katie Van Horn, who is a HR strategist, international keynote speaker, focused on global inclusion, diversity, and belonging. She's a former VP of engagement and inclusion of GoDaddy. And she's also the amazing podcast co-host of the inclusive uh, inclusive AF podcast, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank which you. you were a guest on, which we had yeah. such a great time when you came definitely. on with Jackie and I. So definitely, thank you. Definitely. And so also tune into their podcast as well. <laughs> and then we have Kimberly who almost ghosted me, but that's a whole nother story, right? <laughs> so Kimberly John Morgan is an equity advocate with astounding communication skills and through her writings, she highlights the discrimination in hiding in plain sight. So definitely follow Kimberly as well. And last but not least, but the brave man amongst <laughs> the brave man for tonight's conversation is Joe. He calls himself Joe, but I see Joseph Santana. He is the chairman of the CDO Power Circle, creator and host of the ERG Power Talk podcast, author of the new DEI and e e ERG Frontier. Okay, this is a whole mouth words. It seems like I'm scrambling here, but Let's let's start with you, Joe. Why do we need to humanize the workplace? Well, you know, I think one of the reasons why it's really important to humanize the workplace is because the workplace is rapidly becoming more digitalized. Mm. And it's also becoming more fragmented in a number of ways. One is that the workplace itself is becoming distributed. So rather than having the majority of your people reporting to one office or one work site, we now have a multidimensional workplace. Uh, it goes beyond being just hybrid because it also includes such things as people that may be working in the same place, but not at the same time, mm -hmm. or people who are not working at the same time or in the same place, but yet need to partner together. The workforce itself is changing dramatically in terms of its, its makeup. So in the past, the majority of the people who reported to a business were probably employees. Today, up to 40% of those in the United States and probably close to that in other countries are people who are not employees, people who have other uh, relationships to the organization. And that's just a few of the things that are changing. And a lot of this is, is actually being somewhat held together by things like, for example, communication platforms like this. Uh, AI is becoming a bigger deal in terms of determining who gets hired, how much people get paid. And when you look at the overwhelming changes that are happening, what's what's literally uh, what's literally going on is that some aspects may lose some of that humanization unless we literally and intentionally put that humanization back in. Do you hear that people? Don't let don't let the humanization get lost in translation just because we are talking, we are interacting in a different way, using remote tools, using different tools to communicate. Um, I would rather have a conversation face to face because then you can see 
the intention, then you can hear me, you can hear the warmth of my voice, then writing a letter that can be consumed in a whole different way. So thank you, Joe, for, for sharing that. And Katie. So it, for me, it's because we're talking about humans, mm -hmm. we need to humanize the workplace because we're talking yeah. about humans and we know all the facets, you know, everything that Joe mentioned is spot on. I think it's also, you know, as we think about how we interact with each other, you know, before you pressed record, we were talking about bias and I know we're going to get into that a little bit later as well, but we know we all have bias. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the more we can have just communication that's clear, that's transparent, that's humanized, that is going to help all of us be more successful in the workplace. And it's also going to help organizations be able to drive more, better, different um, in their, you know, how they're actually delivering for the bottom line, for those shareholders, all those great things. I think each one of us, when we think about where do we want to work, where do we want to actually put our passion, put our energy, it's in a company that cares about us as well. So it's not just a one-way street where we're a cog in the wheel of this large corporation. It's how are we actually able to contribute? How are we able to deliver on whatever the company needs? And how are they treating us in that process? How are we working with them and how are we working together to achieve our goals? So I think it's, we're talking about humans, so we should be humanizing the workplace. Real simple. What I get from what you just shared right now is I'm thinking of people don't see the work relationship being a honeymoon or when you enter the workspace, right? You are in this whole bliss of just being married and this honeymoon, but eventually it all fades away and then you you get to see the real thing or you get to see the cracks or the little dimples mm -hmm. or the little things that you did not see before because you were so blinded by all the goodness and what do you do after this whole onboarding right what what do you do to keep that relationship alive how are you creating that magic how are you tangoing with each other or dancing with each other to keep that chemistry alive so Thank you for sharing that. I really like that. And Kimberly. Um, so I think we need to humanize the workplace because I think COVID has taught us all that what we've been doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it, it comes down to like practical, fundamental human behavior. You know, it, it, it never, it blows my mind that, you know, we work nine to five, but kids are in school from nine until three. So who's picking the kids up from school, you know, and it, it like that's that level of humanization. Of the nanny. But right. If you can afford one or, you know, like and it's right. All the presumptions that are made and, and the structure of the workplace has just been so inhumane, you know, and the hours that people are required to keep or policies that make no sense. You know, like if you have if you lose a loved one, you have three business days off well you yeah. better hope that your loved one dies on a Wednesday you know mm -hmm. like that <laughs> like that makes no sense to me you know if the person passes away on Monday you got Monday Tuesday Wednesday and then you have to go back on Thursday like that's so inhumane and so you know humanizing the workplace is a necessity um, as as both uh, Joe and Katie have said is that we're human and we have to recognize the humanity of our experiences in the workplace and make it more um, just conducive to, to real life, you know, like, like sim yeah. simple as that. 
you address something that really triggered me because I was just, I'm not disclosing who, but I was just uh, having a conversation earlier on, just being a listening, providing a listening ear to a friend of mine who lost a loved one. And even though it happened two months ago, she's still grieving, right? So when you mentioned that you were talking about the three business days and I'm just like, the last thing that you should go through is lose somebody, whether it's through COVID or through other circumstances and not have the, the space to mourn, the space to grieve, the space to support them by maybe providing therapy or maybe uh, maybe directing them to a coach so that they can go through this and, and, and process mm-hmm. grief. Because everybody mm-hmm. processes grief in a different way, right? I, mm-hmm. I recently saw, uh, it's a, a weird thing that I should be talking, saying his name, but I recently saw Kanye, Kanye West's documentary where he lost his mom and the way that he went through that, it's not how I would do that. But then again, everybody processes grief in a different way. So that's mm-hmm. why I want to say also hi to Amarachi. She's an amazing woman. And thank you also for Amarachi for being here as well. She's talking about being inhumane and sharing a lot of love already. But let's 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 get into the nitty-gritty, right? Because you all said yes. <laughs> being here today on a very special day, International Women's Day. It should be carnival. It should be celebrated <laughs> all out, you know, giving every woman, every woman, all women treats. But you're here, and Joe was brave enough to join the women as well. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about today, because the theme of today for International Women's Day is Break the Bias. And I would start with you, Katie. What bias are you hoping to break for this year? So I think pay equity and just the idea around pay. And I know a lot of, you know, there's a lot of jurisdictions that are thinking about pay and how do you discuss pay and we know that women are they carry this the the term i've heard before is kind of the baggage that they carry with them Mm. throughout their entire career that you know when they're offered a position that's you know at the same level as a man and the recruiter comes to them and says oh i'm going to give you 10 percent over what you made in your last role and they go oh wow this is great that's awesome but it's 50% less than what the man is being offered for that same role. And so the bias that we have to, we need to know what your prior salary was. If we could break that, the change that we could make in Mm -hmm. people's lives and the way that we can actually affect someone's, well, women's lives, but also that downstream effect of how that changes the economy, how that changes so many different pieces. And it just, it creates an environment, you know, we're talking about humanizing the workplace how many stories can we share of women who have seen salary data and you are completely disincentivized and you're like, why am I even here? I'm doing the same job or more. And, you know, as Kimberly, Kimberly shared, you know, yeah, I might be working different hours or whatever. I'm getting my work done though. Why am I being punished? And, And so just that bias around what their prior pay was, that's something for me that's really critical. And so every, you know, every company I'm working with, the one I'm involved with right now as a chief people officer as well, we're sharing, we're being very transparent about this mm-hmm. is the salary range. This is what the job pays, not because of the legal ramifications that we know are coming through some of these jurisdictions, but 
because it's the right thing to do. And, and it is shocking to see how many women will say, oh, wow, that's a lot more than I'm making versus the men who are like, oh, I guess that's okay. You know, and, and I'm, you know, this is a completely, <laughs> this is just a test case I'm doing. This is in no way, you know, in, in a, um, it's just my own subjective test I'm doing. And it's interesting to see. It's also interesting because when you shared, when you brought up the bias that you want to dismantle, I was thinking about a post, I think a month ago or a few weeks ago, at least beginning of the year, there was this post about a recruiter being proud of the fact that somebody was asking, let's say a number 80,000 and they could have easily asked for more. And I'm here like, okay. I understand that as a recruiter, you're working for the company, but isn't it also your mission, your job for once somebody comes in that you find ways to help make them stay, mm-hmm. help them go on beyond the job honeymoon? Because once they found out, and to me, I felt ashamed about this, re- this recruiter sharing it online as it is just like that. And if I would have seen that, I was just like, First of all, you're telling my story, even though you're not mentioning my name, but it feels like you're walking all over me. And second of all, I feel like this recruiter and recruiters that behave like that should have done a better job because it's not about luring people in. It's also about being accountable for those who are staying. What did you promise and and how can you help them to stay within the company? So, yes, I like that. Thank you. Kimberly, what's yes. your bias that you want to dismantle? Um, I pick one. The, pick one, right? <laughs> How much time do you have? Um, I would say in the workplace, something mm-hmm. that needs to really be looked at in terms of disparity to women mm-hmm. uh, in particular is looking at all the policies that unfairly yeah. treat women. You know, so policies around family leave, policies around, um, you know, sick time off yeah. and, and all the rest, you know, like there's so many considerations that could be made. And again, mm-hmm. COVID has taught us that. Um, but, you know, as people go back to the workplace, it seems as though everyone wants to go back to status quo. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like there's just so many policies that could be looked at in terms of just how that could make women's lives a heck of a lot easier. You know, so if we look at even just work from home, work from home, that would be wonderful if that could be an ongoing policy where people have that choice, um, because then it allows people room to live the rest of their lives and not have to make these hard choices between, you know, taking care of their kids or, you know, doing their job. No one should have to make that choice, yet still here we are. So I feel like a lot of the policies that are out there really um, disenfranchise women and force women to make choices that they don't want to make, you know, um, policies that impact, like, one thing that really grinds my gears is like, when people look at a resume, and they're like, oh, you have a gap. Mm. It's like, she had a kid. Like, yeah. that's not a gap. She, she created a person, sir. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and even so, you can, you are allowed to take an absence of leave, right? And grow <laughs> your personal journey, right? Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and I'm, I'm personally, I'm not a mother, um, but I, I speak on behalf because I have enough respect for mothers um, where I've never understood that gap where it's like you're being punished for yeah. living your life, 
you know, yeah. and you could take that gap and, you know, travel or do whatever you want to do with it. But it's like, it doesn't make you any less competent. Um, but it really unfairly impacts women because if they have those gaps, that impacts their seniority and then opportunities that they have moving forward. So that's something that I would like to see dismantled moving forward just because it makes no sense. Yeah, I, I like that you have shared something and also the biases that are against women, especially one that I shared this morning about the maternal wall bias. It's the one that broke my heart the most, but it's also the one that inspired me to, to do what I'm doing now, to advocate for what I'm doing now. And to, in all fairness, there are women out there, or there are um, new parents, because I have to be more inclusive, right? There are new parents out there that if you bully, bully them during their pregnancy, or if you harm them, you have to realize that you're not only impacting the new parent, but you're also impacting the unborn child. And this is something that I really want, you know, the people, those in power or those who, um, those who are decision makers to really understand that we need to do better when it comes to people in the workplace announcing their pregnancy or becoming new parents. We need to do better because if the child is sick, it will impact the productivity of the parent. And that's not what you want. As an employer or as a manager, you have to find ways to make the workplace more welcoming, but also provide the tools that they can work from home because begin, beginning of COVID, right? Or I think halfway through COVID, a lot of women resigned from their jobs because of they were juggling too much. And we need all people. We need all workforces right now. So find ways to support them. And if you don't, well, let's say that your competitor will. Joe. Well, you know, the bias that I'm thinking about, I think links the two biases that were brought up by both Katie and Kimberly, mm -hmm. because I think it's sort of one of the, let's call it one of our big operating biases. Mm -hmm. And that big bias is the illusion of the belief that organizations as they exist today just need a little tweak or a little patch in order to be effective for diversity and inclusive of women and inclusive of all the forms of diversity. The, the truth and the bottom line is that organizations today, most of the policies of how you reimburse people, how many days you can take off, what you can take time off, what holidays you celebrate, uh, things that impact childcare and other things like that, were all basically born around a time when there was hmm. a single white male who was yeah. working and there was a stay-at-home yeah. mom who took care yeah. of everything else, right? And today, a lot of the efforts that organizations have in the DEI space are looking to, well, how can we include this other group of people in, in our topic today, women, in this particular in this particular mechanism that we have? Or how can we uh, make it easier for women to get into this mechanism we have? But uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with this. I might be dating myself a little bit here, but you're probably familiar with a book that was written by Dr. R. Roosevelt Thomas a couple of years ago, titled Building a House for Diversity. Mm -hmm. And in that 
book, basically, he uses this parable of a giraffe that builds this magnificent house and then decides to invite his friend who's an elephant to come into the house. He wants to be inclusive. He wants the elephant to be able to participate, but the elephant can't participate because the floors are too weak to support his weight. The holes are too narrow for him to move around with. And I think that most of the issues that women, as well as other people who do not fit into the mold of who the house was built for are the same issues that the elephant faced. The house was not built for anyone other than the giraffe and everyone else is an elephant. So I think organizations today need to look not only at where they can put patches, but they have to look at the policies they have and the processes they have and all the other practices and ask themselves, are these adequate? for the workforce that we want today that includes women? And is it a fix or do we just need to come up with a new strategy because the strategy that we had doesn't scale? So uh, everything from who gets reimbursed for what is another great example. Uh, Women cannot deduct, let's say, or even a man, because some men have childcare expenses too. They can't deduct childcare expenses if they go, let's say, on a client meeting, but they can deduct a martini. And, you know, we can make a strong argument that childcare expenses are equally or more important <laughs> to some people being able to attend the meeting and be able to successfully drive uh, production uh, over a martini. So I think that that bias that it's just that we need a couple of patches to make it work for everybody else. I think that that bias is the supporter of all the other pieces, because I think everyone's looking at the patchwork that can be done in different areas, when in reality, in some cases, what they need to do is raise the house and build another one that's for everyone. I am in the meantime looking for things, and also my child and my partner are screaming all over the place because they apparently forgot that I have a humanized workplace <laughs> episode. But never mind. While you were talking, Joe, I it, it made me think of this quote by uh, Albert Einstein: "Everybody's a genius." Uh, it's about the quote for. Um, asking a fish to climb a tree, right? Because this is what we're doing. (laughs) Right. This is what we're doing. We think that by adding all these different ingredients that everybody's able to shine brightly like sugar or shine brightly like pepper or shine brightly like whatever ingredient that you have that you love to cook with. And this is how we, what we are doing, not only in our education system, but also in the workplace, assuming that all the tools that we have in place that it, can help out everybody. It can help out the giraffe. It can help out the penguin. It can help out the elephant. But the only person that is able to climb at this moment right now is the monkey. But then again, we are asking for the impossible. So that, that that's a thought that I was I was uh, bringing up. And also coming back to Katie because um, there is something happening in the world or in the uk where in the uk there are companies out there that when they have i think more than 250 employees they have to report on they have to show transparency regarding pay and i'm just thinking like well why don't we do it global why don't we do it in europe why don't we do it in us why don't we make it a global thing so that we be honest because inclusion i feel the way that i define inclusion is also adding transparency, sharing the, 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 pay, the, the pay level, being open about it. And the person then can ask for, okay, this is what I'm worth. And they can grow to become a senior. They can grow to become better. And this 
this bot on Twitter is amazing where they are sharing, you know, if a company is celebrating International Women's Day, well, we have this this thing from the UK where we are going to show how inclusive they are. And I, I like it. I like it. I love it. Love it. So our, the other topic that I have for today, um, I asked the permission from a friend of mine, and uh, I'm not going to share the literal words, but there are people out there that feel like when you're talking about women, we cannot include transgender women. And I'm also a bit appalled. Well, I'm, I'm putting things nicely. I am, it, it makes my heart sad because here we are trying to create a space where we want all women to be celebrated and those who identify as a woman to be celebrated. And there goes a comment, a very harmful comment not realizing that there are so many transgender women not being safe. Some even commit suicide or some even are harmed, not realizing how hurtful that can be. So let's have a conversation about that, Kimberly. Oh, where do we start? Um, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn pretty regularly and I... I choose my conversations very carefully mm. and this is this is a topic that comes up a lot and it brings out a lot of vitriol yeah and it's so disheartening for so many reasons for all the reasons that you said um and the one thing i would challenge people to really think about is you know you could know someone who's trans and not even know yeah right so you don't you don't know who you're talking to yeah. really um, and if you don't know, that means that they probably are not comfortable telling you with good reason, right? So I think we always have to, there's so many assumptions that people make um, to sort of get their harm out there. And it always has more to do with the person who's issuing the harm than the people who are being harmed, but it's still hurtful mm -hmm. to hear. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. There's so much to unpack with <laughs> that level of thought and 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 just how freely people feel to just say whatever like you know like they're commenting on the weather it's just like wow that really just came out of your face like you actually said those words <laughs> to me and and so those are the times where i just want to take my errands out and say okay let's let's do this because i'm like you want to do a verbal sparring because you're not going to win not on yeah. not on not on dei issues and yeah. that's where with DEI, it's like, it's everyone. Like we have to be advocate. You can't just pick and choose, you know, and, and cherry pick and say, you know, these are the people that I'm going to advocate for. And these are the people who I'm not going to. Intersectionality. It's like the fundamental concept in DEI, you know, Kimberly Crenshaw. People named Kimberly are very bright people. Clearly. Are you, are yeah. you, what, what are you doing here? This, this is not part of the show. We are not self-promoting here. It's like, I was listening. I was just like, what? <laughs> no, all jokes aside. And you know, I love you, right? So. Oh, yes. Yes. But, you know, just the fundamental concept of intersectionality, you can't yeah. negate that and say that you advocate for anybody if you don't understand that concept. Yeah. So the two ideas can't 
don't sit in my head. It's like you either are either you're in or you're out. That's yeah. really what it's about. I I totally agree. Um, last year I got into a whole a whole thing. I I did not disclose it last year, but let's say that um, I don't I don't remember the word for it, but. A fellow DEI advocate who is an advocate for the LGBT community, we got into a conversation, an online conversation about what is racism and what's not. And he felt the need to talk to me about me adding too much salt on everything. And I'm just like, this is black facing, even though they haven't painted themselves, they are portraying as Mexican people sitting in low riders and you assume that that's not okay or am i only allowed to talk about black issues i don't feel like it because i want to make myself accessible for everybody and that means when i say that i'm a dei advocate i have to be there for everybody mm-hmm. is that the way that i was brought up no because i challenge myself especially when it comes to the lgbt community um, my upbringing did not support that, but I unlearned and am still learning and I'm providing a space for, for them, for my LGBT community, my friends, for them to speak up and educate me about what I can do to support that community. And I was baffled with the fact that, okay, your hurt is apparently better than my pain or the pain that I'm expressing? Why are we it's having a Olympics. fight? Oppression Why are we Olympics. having a fight about this? Why? Thank you, Kimberly, yeah. for highlighting that. Joe. You know, we were talking about this before we started the program. I think that one of the things that we're learning as we all collectively go on this journey, and this journey is a journey that started not that long ago, because a lot Mm -hmm. of people for years have lived within their own bubbles, where they're experts on their own feelings, they're experts on what they think is right and wrong, and they seldom come into contact with anybody else who challenges that, because they're surrounded by other people like themselves. It's a paperclip company. Yeah, yeah, the paperclip company, exactly. (laughs) So now we find ourselves coming into contact contact with more and more mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and one of the things that we in this in this field as well as people in general need to recognize is that you know there are a lot more perspectives out there and yeah. a lot more ways of looking at the world and feeling and so forth that need to be also acknowledged and and respected and the biggest change i think that all of us whether we're in the DEI space or whether we're not in the DEI space, but just part of this, because this is a human evolution that we're going through right Mm -hmm. now, is we have to become experts at turning all of our exclamation points and bending them into question marks. So that rather than sitting there and saying, you know, externally, my belief system and judging you through my belief system, instead turning that into a question and say, well, what does Vivian see the world that way? And why is it that, because I'm assuming that in your world, based on your perspectives and your upbringing, what you're seeing and how you feel makes sense to you. Just like how I see the world makes sense to me. And if we could find a place in the middle where we can, where we can come together, then we can have, we can both grow and I can Mm -hmm. learn something about your experience that will increase my appreciation and you can learn something about mine. But I think that this is a new challenge for most people because throughout most of 
you know, most of civilization, we've lived in bubbles with people like ourselves. And our thinking process wasn't challenged because we all shared a religion. We all shared a background. We all shared a skin color. We all shared and we all hid certain things or mm -hmm. felt that certain things were good or certain things were bad. We're in a new era now. And we now have to be more open to that questioning and to being a little more metacognitive of what's going on around us. Yeah. And also realizing that the comment that you are making or the, I would say the verbal, I'm not going to, the verbal shittiness that is coming out of people that I'm just like, did you really say that? Because yeah. if your child or somebody in your environment that you love dearly belongs to that community or is maybe having a relationship within a different community, then how would you would you kick them out how would you accept that i cannot i can't do that i i cannot believe that so i'm handing the mic over to katie because my 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 mind right now is going going in overdrive just by the thought <laughs> of that so katie regarding the the comment that transgender women aren't women so i i think you you just kind of started to mention and this is the one that that drives me and drives mm -hmm. me in my career, drives me in the work that I do around diversity, equity, inclusion is thinking about the kids. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, my niece and nephews, yeah. thinking about the children of my friends and other folks. And, you know, right now, obviously in the U S we have so many things that are anti-trans, you know, legislation going on in Texas and some of these other States. And, you know, yesterday we just had another school shooting in Iowa. Wow. And so we're not going to protect our trans kids and we're not going to make sure that we have any protections against them getting guns or bringing guns to school. So it's just this, this complete lack of empathy of humanity. Um, and, and, you know, those words that you're saying that you might think you're addressing another adult, but your kids are listening yeah. and your niece and nephews are listening. And, and so for me, you know, just thinking about when I approach any human, I just want to know them as a human and want to understand their experience and want to get to know them more. But I think about this work and the work that all of us are doing and, and that all of us should be doing. So, you know, even if you don't have that lived experience, even if you don't have, you know, Vivian, as you're mentioning kind of that, Hey, if you're part of the LGBT community, I can still be an ally. I can still be someone that is, arm in arm with you. Mm -hmm. And how are we not acknowledging that, you know, each one of us has a role in supporting the other and each one of us has a role in making sure that everyone else is okay yeah. to say to a woman, you're not a woman because you're a transgender woman. What happens in that person's mind when they walk away from that conversation, hmm. the impact that you're having by saying that can be deadly, truly. Yeah. I mean, we know the stats, we know what happens. Mm -hmm. And to say that, like, again, is your child also hearing you say that? Is their school you know, friend hearing that? Like all of those things that we're doing that just continues the cycle of inequity, of violence, of all of these negative things, we need to do better. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just am very passionate about it from a I want the next generation coming up behind us. And that, that doesn't mean little kids. That means, 
you know, as we were talking about earlier about that recruiter that isn't helping the woman behind her to say, let me bring you up to where you should be pay wise. Yeah. What, what is the point? What is the point of that other than to hurt and harm? And I just don't, sorry, I get fired up too, Vivian. <laughs> as you might you're not the only one because while you're saying, I'm just like, this is a, this is something that every recruiter, every company needs to hear about. Let's let's normalize and add some transparency because how how come are you why are you celebrating this this thing while you are causing demonization, you are causing devaluation? And if you can lift somebody up, they will forever remember what you have done. Luckily, there are good ones out there, but still. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate to see that. I see so many comments, so many comments. So <laughs> hi, Gurpri, for being here. Hi, Raria, for also being here. Amarachi is saying hi, pay equity. And Kristen is saying yes, unfortunately. Yes, yes. I cannot say the name. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot do that. But there are people out there that are thinking that. So thank you. And Katie, really? Katie. <laughs> Kimberly's are the smartest. She said it. It's it's it has to be true. She said it here first. Exactly. I didn't spell your name wrong, Kimberly. I think I need, I I think I need to end this broadcast because it's going left. It's going left people. It's going left. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen. And also this one I really love. Bend the explanation point to question mark. Thank yes. you. Joe. I'm so stealing that about, one. <laughs> we talked about breaking some of your, your favorite bias, at least deactivating or demolition them for this year. We talked about the gender pay gap. We talked about how people feel about transgender women. What is something, and I'm going to, I'm going to let you pick one topic. We are going to have a, disc, uh, a conversation about that, each one of you. So what is a topic? Um, did I start with you, Kimberly? You did, yeah. Last time, yeah? Okay, yep. then I'm going back to Joe, just to provide an equal space, Joe. Okay, sure. <laughs> what is a topic that you would like to address on for this year for International Women's Day, just because you want to do better? Yeah, just because. I mean, I think one of the topics that we need to address is the one that's the burning issue, equity. Uh, mm -hmm. And equity, not only in pay, but in all other forms and, and, and shapes of that word. As I mentioned earlier, organizations, as they exist today, were not set up for women to succeed. Simply not the case. They were set up for a man who had a wife who dedicated himself to work while someone took care of the, the entire emotional load and everything else that goes with bringing up a family in the background. And that just simply is not the world that we're in today. So we need to start looking at equity. So I think diversity, increasing diversity in organizations is important. I think inclusion is important, but I think equity is at the very heart of how you make the other two work. Because unless you change the shape of the house and unless you change some of those practices and policies, you can bring all the diversity in the world and they'll bump their heads against all the walls and they'll try to be included in processes that don't actually support what they need in order to get the work they need to get done. So I think that that's one of the areas is where we really need to put a lot of focus. I like that. I truly mm -hmm. like that. And I'm going to bring an image in because a lot of people seem to think that equity means 
equality, right? So to 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 share this in a good image, and I really love this image. There's also an image of a, a boy standing on a crate, but this image really highlights the difference. Equality, giving everybody the same bike. And know that I think I'm six foot two. I'm very tall as a woman, so I don't do well with the standard bikes, right? I need to have a, a bike for tall people. But then again, when you look at the equity part, you see that different people with different needs have a different bike to still be able to follow along the journey. Imagine within your workplace where maybe somebody is blind, maybe somebody's deaf, or maybe somebody needs extra tools to reach that certain level, right? What are you doing for them to, for them to move forward? So thank you, Joe, for mentioning that. And Katie, what about you? What's your topic that we need to address? <laughs> so I, I think it's the breaking the bias. And I think the, the one piece that I think we still need to address, and obviously even just the, the topic that you shared about the friend who was told she's not a woman mm -hmm. because she is transgender. There is still so much bias that people it's going beyond. I'm aware that I have bias to how does that impact my everyday interactions with mm -hmm. people? And what am I doing to change that? Because I think, you know, I think it took us a while to get to the place where people said, Oh wait, I have bias. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had that on, un you know, unconscious bias training was the thing. And it was like, Oh, if you go to this two hour training, you're not going to have bias anymore which we know is baloney. Um, uh, well, I, I trained it. I trained it myself. They had, unless they had <laughs> Olivia Pope on their training, right? Right, 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 <laughs> right. Absolutely, yes. But with that being said, you know, it's okay, we have the awareness that there is bias, but how does that actually impact yeah. our everyday actions? Yeah. How does that impact how we're interacting with other people? And so how mm -hmm. do we break the bias truly? And, you know, it, it goes back to Joe, what you were sharing on, we are biased to believe it's a 40 hour work week. We are biased to believe yeah. you should only take a few days if someone passes away or that, yeah. Hey, if you miscarry a child, you should just be able to go back to work the next day and everything's exactly. fine. Or you yeah. are biased to believe that every CEO should be a man. And you're know, talking about diversity. It's not just diversity in the workforce. It's diversity in leadership the folks that are making decisions, the folks that are actually saying, this is what we're doing as an organization. This is what we're focused on. So for me, it's going past the awareness of bias and actually truly making changes in your organization and in your personal life. Like mm -hmm. we're on this journey in, in, in companies, but each of us is on a journey as well yeah. around how do we become more inclusive? How do we understand what's going on? And so it's breaking the bias that we have personally and understanding how that will impact our everyday interactions. I love the fact that you are addressing a company is on a journey, but you also have to activate your own personal journey to do better. And a lot of the times people are looking, waiting upon what's the company going to do? What's mm -hmm. the manager going to do? What are you doing? You're not doing enough. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Have you looked into, into the mirror? Who do you right. see? What well, are you doing? It's the whole idea also that like HR or the DEI team is going to take care of diversity for the whole company. And you're like, they're not, that is Olivia not how it works. They are, they are not <laughs> Harry Potter. I want my white suit. I, I love this quote. I love this quote from Barack Obama that I think that fits into yeah. this. We 
are the ones we've been waiting for, <laughs> right? Yes. We True. need to do True. stuff. We need yeah. to change ourselves. Yeah. And then collectively, when everyone does that, the world changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Kimberly. Yeah. One. So pick one. One. <laughs> I know. I don't like one. That's not right. It. It's very limiting. It's very limiting. Um, I would say one of the things that I would like to see change and an issue I would like to see addressed is how equity is. We wait until adulthood to address equity. Mm. If we rewind it back, if we look at how we're educating our children, you know, and obviously having age appropriate conversations, because I know yeah. there's going to be some out there saying, I'm not talking to my kid about X, Y, and Z. I get it. You know, like certain conversations have to be age appropriate, but mm -hmm. how we talk to our kids about points of difference, people who yeah. are different, how we explain that to them, you know, um, for example, when I went back in the day when I was at school um, in elementary school, and this is a little bit of a, 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 a tangent, but it'll it'll come back in terms of uh, there was a student who um, had special needs. Nobody talked about what the student needed. They just thought, okay, put them in a, in a classroom with all these, you know, 10 year olds and everything will be fine. Recipe mm. for disaster. Yeah. Because the, the children had not been socialized to learn how to support that student. And so that poor student got, you know, they thought that they, they would be normalized and they would fit in and it would just be fine. And that poor kid just got bullied over and over and over again to the mm. point where they just left school within like two weeks. It was like a two week window and it was, it was over and no one ever talked about that student ever again. And I remember thinking, why is no one talking to us about this? Like what happened yeah. to that person, you know? And so talking about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, that starts in elementary school so that we don't have these adults who go into these workplaces with these ideas that are like hardened and baked in to their core, you know, and then we're trying to like chisel them out. Like that's, why don't we start earlier so that for all points of diversity, so that we can have more equitable place at workplaces uh, in the future as the next generation. So we're not trying to do retrofits, you know, things are just kind of built in from the beginning. Yeah. While you were, were talking, I was just thinking about, I don't know if you watched, I, I think I watched too many Netflix, but I'm a person that I need to debrief or decompress while watching series of movies. But I was watching Raising Dion, where Dion, this, this black kid, has, a, has a, a friend, Esperanza, who's sitting in a wheelchair. She is so courageous and so brave. And I'm just thinking like, when was the last time that I saw a person who was sitting in a wheelchair being themselves, being so powerful, being so advocate? Because the majority of the time when I see a person who is has special, uh, special needs or different abilities, they are being portrayed as we are um, the victim. Mm -hmm. We help us because mm -hmm. we need your support. And I here is a, is a girl who is supporting Dion to be a superhero. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, wow, my child is watching that. I'm watching that together with him. But it's also a, it's also a different way of using books, using a special series or series that are portraying different people with different superpowers so that mm -hmm. they can learn to understand 
this is how it should be and not the yuckiness that we sometimes see in the workplace where we think that somebody who is a circle should be put in a box that isn't catered for circles, right? So thank you. We need to start this normalizing difference, right? Like just make it so normal that we're not questioning it every time. Yeah. So Viv- Vivian, I feel like I should mm-hmm. be your quote, your quote master for today. Because <laughs> as Kimberly was talking, I remembered this quote from Frederick Douglass, and I just mm-hmm. looked it up. It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Mm-hmm. And, and for the sake of this particular mm-hmm. podcast, we'll change that to broken people. Yeah. And and I totally agree with what Kimberly is saying because you have a 35 to 40 year old person sitting in an unconscious bias class who has had all these years of programming that result in when they're stimulated a certain way, having a certain opinion or seeing the world a certain way. They're now Mm -hmm. a leader or a manager. And in a two hour class, we are attempting to dismantle all (laughs) of these little rules and heuristics that they've developed. And Ideally, then they're going to walk out of that room and they're going to be totally open, bias free, (laughs) conscious of their own biases. That's not going to happen. But if you start really early and you help children to recognize these things, you're you're going to have a better opportunity to build a better society in the future than the one that we have today. Definitely. I I refer to unconscious bias like it's a muscle that we need to train. So when you go to the gym, Unfortunately, it doesn't happen magically, you know, all these muscles and being slim and healthy, right? You need to do the work. You need to have a personal trainer or you need to work out in a group setting where you train that muscle and Mm -hmm. hold yourself accountable. I'm not saying that every day you have to, you know, hold yourself accountable, but create create that commitment of one month. I'm building my muscle towards this is the action that I'm going to do, address the name of people in a correct way. And if if not correct, you can easily leave a voice note and ask them, how do I pronounce your name? Mm-hmm. I want to do it right. How do I do that? So thank you, Joe, for, for sharing that. We are almost at the end. And there's one final thing because I made, I asked, the, I'm going to ask the question 2025, well, we just started 2022. I've almost written off this year, but <laughs> it's only <laughs> well, it's still, we're still dealing with COVID and all the other yuckiness in this part of the world, right? <laughs> Haven't you seen the news regarding Russia and Ukraine uh, and, and the, the hurtful things that are happening here? And I'm just like, isn't it enough that we're dealing with this? And now on top of that, a person thinks that they have to let their ego run and do whatever it is that they need to do. So that's that's why I shared that. But what do we hope? What what do you hope to see in 2025? Because today you shared your biases that you want to dismantle. Uh, we talked about International Women's Day. We talked about so many biases that women are facing. Mm-hmm. What is it that you want to see in 2025 i know it's almost two and a half years or two years but still katie um a couple things i want a woman in the white house Mm. um i want um more women as international leaders across the board kind of referring back to um what's going on in russia um and other countries like let's let's get more women in leadership um 
and in powerful positions across the globe. Um, and I think the other piece is, um, again, kind of that moving away from, and Kimberly mentioned this, like just normalizing difference, mm -hmm. you know, that we are all different. We all come from different places, different experiences, and it's not you're diverse. Mm -hmm. It's you are just a human and we are all bringing different things to the table and everything should be celebrated from each individual. Mm -hmm. So it, and that, that is what I'll, I'll leave on the table. That's what yeah. I'll say for 2025. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Kimberly. Um, for 2025, I, I'm an incremental optimist, I guess, in terms of just thinking this is going to be a very slow process, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, for those who are listening and, you know, all yeah. the people who will watch this video down the line, um, what I would like to see is more people, individuals, just asking themselves when they enter a room, ask themselves, who's missing? Yeah. Who's missing? You know, because you better believe, I mean, I'm trained as a black woman, like I'm a professional black woman. I, I, you know, I know the deal and I know every space I go into, I am doing a check to be like, who is in this room and mm -hmm. who is not here and who looks like me and who does not. And it's just, for me, it's a reflex, right? It's also a safety, it's a safety related uh, reflex. Um, but I'd like more people who are allies of groups that are not, that they're not a part of to recognize and ask themselves when they go into a space, who's not here and why aren't they here? And how can we invite them in, you know? And that could be something as small or as small scale as, you know, your PTA committee, you know, it could be the boardroom, the, you know, the C-suite, who's not in the C-suite? Why do we not have any leaders with disabilities? Why do we not have any leaders who are women? Why do we not have any leaders who are women with disabilities? Like, come on, let's layer it. Let's, let's be more sophisticated than this. So yeah, it, by 2025, if we can just change and ask that question, um, I think that would create a, a lot, a lot of change down the line. While you were, were talking, I was also thinking about all these summits, all these conferences, all these speaker sessions, right? Manals. There are so yeah, many man. names out there where I'm just thinking like, okay, in this day and age, we have LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. We don't have the yellow pages anymore, but we have Google. <laughs> There is Twitter, Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram. Mm -hmm. How many more platforms do we need to put out a quest say, I'm looking for different speakers. Mm -hmm. Just put it out there. It's simple. It's and so simple that it's hard. Happen. It's so simple it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Joe. So one of the things that I would like to see by 2025 is I'd like to see more of the DEI leadership uh, mm -hmm. in organizations at all levels begin to jump ahead from reacting to what's going on immediately and to mm -hmm. anticipating what's coming at us. And the reason for that is because if you look at the speed at which everything is changing. And we started this conversation before we actually started the show. If you look at the speed at which everything is changing, where, you know, 
it's exponential in terms mm -hmm. of the use of AI in organizations. It was used to scan resumes. Now it's being used to actually perform interviews in some cases. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's going to be used from increasingly more and more aspects of what used to be human type things. If we look at all those things that are going on and we're talking about the biases that humans have, well, wait until you see the biases that these systems and these machines mm -hmm. have. If well, we wait, it's programmed with people with bias, right? It's programmed with people with biases, trained by people with biases. Mm -hmm. It's a replication of the world that we lived in in the past. Yeah. And if we do not get ahead of that now, while yeah. we're working over here on the problems that we have, new ones are forming in the horizon that are going to be upon us pretty soon. So my hope is that DEI leaders start becoming a little more of a futurist and looking at what's coming down the pike, what are the secondary and the tertiary effects of all these different changes, and what can be done now to make sure that that new world is more inclusive, equitable, and diverse than the one we're in right now, as opposed to letting it become a replica of the world that we work so hard to change. I am there with you. I do have to add some reality because a lot of the AI people that I talk to do want to do this, but they don't have the resources. They don't have the budget, nor mm -hmm. the time, nor the energy. Some are doing it voluntarily. Some yep. are being not paid enough. Yep. So people, managers, leaders, CEO, organizations, if you want to take DEI seriously and want to add it to your strategy, give it the budget that it needs to become a success. Give it the resources that it needs to become a success because, again, we are not Harry Potter, nor are we Olivia Pope. <laughs> we might sometimes act like um, Viola Davis, you know, in How to Get Away with Murder. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of price schemes happening in a workplace, but then again, this is real life and we need to treat it as human as possible. So thank you all for being amazing guests and for being guinea pigs in this different way of having a conversation. But I really enjoyed the conversation and know that if you have any questions afterwards, please share them because this is a, a must watch episode and at least challenge yourself to commit to one action to deactivate or demolition one bias and take that commitment to you for the whole year and work on it, challenge it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Bye everybody. Until next time. Bye-bye. Please Pleasure stay on guests. <laughs>